This is Mark Fletcher, and welcome to my world. Welcome to Southern Tales, Tall and Otherwise. Growing up in the sticks outside a small West Tennessee town in the late 60s and 70s did not give us much exposure to the outside world. That's an understatement. The closest I got was probably the nightly Walter Cronkite mandatory viewing. We would all sit in front of the television every night after dinner. I can still remember him reading numbers like, and today, there were 89 dead and 233 wounded in Vietnam. He said it every night, and after a while, it seemed mandatory that he read them without emotion. It was so frequent that we might not have had any emotion. But I digress. Nothing much ever changed, and when someone new would move in from out of town, it was frequently a wonderment and sometimes a culture shock. New places, new names, but some people were absolutely over the top and they rocked our world. And like I say, it's just a southern thing. Sit back and enjoy. Southern Tales, Season 2, Episode 11, Steve Shuchuk. When you were growing up, did you ever meet someone who was so different that your brain could not even get your arms around it? You couldn't comprehend it. Any way you looked at it, for any reason at all, someone who just absolutely did not fit in. Think about the small minds that we had out in the country. Remember in an earlier episode when I described being a Catholic for the first time? I was scared to death. And then Steve Shuchuk and his family moved to our little town. And that's where we're off to tonight. And while there may be some disputes about the actual facts, this is the way that I remember it. And in my opinion, every goddamn word is true. Hey, I want to jump in real quick and mention once again that our theme, our season two theme music is from Audra Brown. Audra has several records out. You can get them at bandcamp.com or CD Baby. 
This song is called Nitro, and it's from her record, The Cody Sessions, which was produced by Cody Dickinson of the Northwest Mississippi All-Stars. Cody is one of the most talented people that I've ever known, and he plays bass and drums on the record as well. Audra is sort of Kurt Cobain and Joan Jett in one. But I urge you to support all music, local music, whatever, and pay the artist. Don't steal the downloads. <laughs> but again, welcome to Southern Tales Podcast that you get for free. Yeah, for free. Tonight, we're going to jump back to high school in the mid-70s. Now, this is in the days when we were preparing for the bicentennial, red, white, and blue. I think it was just a couple years after the Tennessee sesquicentennial, which I think was 150 years or something where everybody grew a beard. Uh, but the bicentennial was pretty fun. And of course, we're going to talk about some of the characters that you've met previously. And it would help you to listen to previous episodes if you want to. I wish you would because I think some are really super funny. And some have some really uh, good points in them as well. But anyway, if you don't want to do that, I don't care. This is a great episode about a really great guy. I, I guess it starts when I was a junior in high school, the summer before my junior year. Uh, the Shuchucks moved to town. Now, I knew them or their family before school started because uh, my boss at the engineering company where I ran blueprints became quick friends with Mr. Shuchuk. I think he was a chemical engineer and he worked at one of the local manufacturing plants. And I was told there was a new kid in town my age, you know, before school. And I got to meet him. Meeting him before lessened the shock somewhat. But think about it. They came from Michigan. I don't think I even knew where that was. They talked different. They thought different. And Steve looked different. Different? How? Huh. In every way. Steve was tall, maybe six foot three, but he was a beanpole. I'm guessing 150 pounds, maybe 140 pounds. And he was the whitest person I'd ever seen. I mean, I grew up out in the, out in the woods and outside, and we were definitely brown people. But Steve? Completely white bright white. His hair wasn't really blonde. It was more white. I don't think he was albino. He was just not from the sunshine, I think. <laughs> but he had long arms and and was accentuated by his thinness. And he wore like these thick Coke bottle glasses. But somehow we bonded. Go figure. I mean, I was a nerd. I, I thought until I met him, when he defined the word nerd. I was smart. He was brilliant. But we had some similar likes. Uh, he played chess. And when school started, he helped Lyle and I start the chess club in our junior year. Steve, he was a good player. But his brain would not allow him to think creatively enough. And I was that guy, and he had a hard time beating me. For years, we debated why. <laughs> In fact, for years, we debated most everything. It was so refreshing to have his brain to stimulate mine. But man, he was different. And that made him not so popular in school. He was definitely not well-versed in relationship management. And neither was I. But 
Again, he made me look like a social butterfly. So the mean guys and the dumb guys made fun of him. I think a lot of the football players mocked him. Most girls stayed away from him, except Carrie Williams, who considered Steve a friend. Now, she was extremely smart, too, and probably enjoyed his theoretical mind. She also played tennis. She was one of the most likable and friendly people in our school. I knew she was popular, so I was always bewildered that she was so nice to us. But I think she was just special in that way. And she was special to me as well. And we'll tell some Carrie stories in future episodes because we had a a couple wild things happen, too. But back to Steve and high school. You know, between classes, when you walk from one wing of our new high school to another, you had to go through the smoking area. (laughs) Yep, it's the 70s, folks. We had a smoking area for kids in our high school. I guess it eliminated the bathroom as being the smoking area. But, you know, those guys there used to punch Steve as he walked through. So one day he asked me to start going with him from wing to wing. And, of course, they punched us both. Julia and I had started the tennis team that year, and Steve and I would come out to the tennis courts on many evenings to hit it around. He wasn't very good because he hadn't played a whole lot, but he had the enthusiasm, and he had pretty good hand-eye coordination. And above all, he was a good guy. He was just different. How smart. I, I called him brilliant earlier, and that's even an understatement. It's like asking how smart Einstein was. You know, you really can't describe it in a regular terms, in a regular language. But at, at our high school, where, you know, I was in the smart group of kids, definitely not the smartest, but we had a college prep class of seniors called Math 4. And there wasn't maybe 20 kids in it. But when Steve got there, they had to create a class called Math 5, in which he was the only student. Seriously. Seriously smart. And think about it. He was so smart that class is only for him. So obviously, his grade point average was through the roof, probably higher than anybody else's anyway. And he's clearly the smartest guy in our class. He was going to be the valedictorian of our class, for sure. But then, the geniuses at our high school came up with a new rule. I guess it was a new rule. It was probably the only time it was ever enacted that said, in order for you to be the valedictorian, you had to have gone to high school, at our high school, for all four years. And obviously, Steve didn't fit that role. And so when graduation came, they wound up giving it to somebody else who didn't even take college-bound courses to be our valedictorian. And that hurt Steve. It really did. Not that he was into awards or anything, but he was very proud, and I'm sure that he had something really cool to say. And it would have been cool to have been able to recognize that one of the smartest people of all time had been the valedictorian in my class. You know, but it didn't happen. And after high school, he enrolled in the electrical engineering program at the University of Tennessee. Now, as we know, I went the opposite way to Memphis State. But Steve and I continued to be close. We wrote letters back and forth, talking about technology, music, whatever. I still have some of those letters. I mean, it's really heady stuff. In the summers between college, we spent much time together. Steve was a golfer, and he wasn't too bad. He might even been better than me on some days. I don't know. We were probably pretty even, pretty evenly bad, probably. But we would usually ride up to Carroll Lake near McKenzie, Tennessee, and play golf together. And here's the thing. We would both hit our drives all over the place. 
as I said, weren't that good. And our, ba our balls were always somewhere off the grid. Now remember, remember Steve and the Coke, bo Coke bottle glasses? We could, I could never find my ball. So after a while, he would drive the car because no matter how far away or how deep in the woods or how deep in the tall grass we'd hit our balls, Steve could drive right to it. We rarely lost a ball. Weird how he could do that. I knew it wasn't his eyesight and suggested that maybe it was because he had had so much practice hitting balls into the rough in the woods. He considered that theory, but determined that it was his astute analysis of the speed and trajectory of the ball, combined with his calculations of the wind and the curvature of the Earth's surface. Of the Earth's surface. Huh. <laughs> but who could disagree? Now, his father was a pretty cool guy for a foreigner, like from Michigan or someplace. In their garage, he had a beer can collection that was unreal. He had a whole wall stacked with every beer can that you could ever imagine, and plenty that I could not imagine or had never heard of. Eventually, I figured out that he probably drank all those beers. And, surprise, surprise, Steve loved beer. So, that became another activity that we shared. And, as much beer as he would drink, I do not think it ever made him drunk that I could tell, and his ability to analyze and problem-solve was never challenged by alcohol. In fact, listening to him talk was even more spacey when you're drinking. This is during the time when I got hooked on 38 Special. I was looking for something to replace Leonard Skinner in my life. And I got Steve hooked on 38 Special as well. He became a fan. I think they came to Knoxville and he went to the show. We love sci-fi movies too. I remember when the James Bond film Moonraker was released. We could not wait to go. Of course, on the way home after the movie, we got into a big debate about how an explosion could happen in a vacuum of space. We talked about that for weeks, debating back and forth. It was great mind stimulation and made boozing and cruising even more fun. Though I still don't know the answer to the conundrum. If you do know about explosions in space, now possible that is, drop me a line. But the wildest episode that Steve and I ever got into happened with golf and beer. Something that we did well together. Now, to set this up, Fitzy and I, as you've heard in previous episodes, have been boozing and cruising a lot during this particular summer. And we were always looking for something to spice up the drives around the gravel roads of our county and neighboring counties. Again, I hope the statute of limitations has expired, but what the hell. One night, I threw an empty beer bottle and hit a sign. It made a loud noise and a little dent in the sign. Very cool, but soon that became a thing. See how fast you could drive while the other one leaned out the window and threw a bottle at a sign. We got pretty good at it. And soon, we graduated to mailboxes. They were smaller and it took more drunken skill to hit one. But again, we drank a lot and had plenty of empties and plenty of nights to do it. We got pretty good. I remember one night, Somewhere out near Moore's Chapel, I was driving when we saw a mailbox up ahead. I sped up and Fitzy took aim. We got close and he released. The bottle hit the mailbox and it literally exploded. I mean, it looked like confetti all up in the air. The next week, the local paper ran a story about how a, how a woman had taken five years and 10,000 popsicle sticks to make this custom mailbox. 
and then someone demolished it, some drunken fool. Yep, that was us. Honestly, though, I, I, if, it, if it was your mailbox, if we'd known about it, we, we would have skipped it. Sorry, sorry, really sorry. Anyway, back to Steve. I told him how cool it was. So on the way up to play golf in McKenzie one day, I started throwing our bottles at highway signs. I hit quite a few on the way up. On the way home that day, of course, we purchased more beer, and I started throwing again. I was doing real well until we got to that bottom just outside of Atwood. I guess I threw that bottle too far in front of the car, and when it hit the sign, the sign flexed back out of out way our way, and suddenly the entire car was full of small shards of broken glass. It was literally like a tornado of glass. I really, I have no idea how Steve managed to pull over without hitting something because we both had our eyes closed, right? Uh, but he did. And when we wiped the glass off our faces, luckily none went in either of our eyes. His Coke bottle glasses probably helped in that regard. We saw the back passenger window of his little Dodge Omni gone. The inside was covered with microscopic glass particles. Scared us to death. But what would our story be now? Surely the truth was no good. We drove real slow into Atwood and pulled in the convenience store on the left. We decided that I would go inside and buy a Coke in a glass bottle while Steve found and discarded all the brown glass that was mixed in with the window glass. I then poured out all the Coke and we backed over the bottle to crush it. We then took these pieces and spread around the back seat and floorboard. Our story was simple. Gee, Mr. Shuchuk, we were riding home drinking a couple of soft drinks when Mark just finished his and casually tossed it out the window without looking. It must have hit something because it came right back in through the back door window. I mean, didn't that sound pretty good to you? I think I might have bought it. Well, we pulled into Steve's driveway and his dad just happened to be standing there. Steve got out and his dad started inspecting the damage. And as Steve started our story, his dad asked, so, where's the beer bottle? I told you, they were smart people. Anyway, Steve went on to graduate with the highest GPA in University of Tennessee electrical engineering history. And there turned out to be a bidding war for his services. This was the early 80s, and computers were about to take over the world. Texas Instruments was a lucky winner for Steve's services, and he moved to Texas. A year or two later, my mom called me at work and said there'd been a horrible accident. Steve had been at Gillies of urban cowboy fame, most likely drinking because he did love it. On the way home after midnight, he exited the interstate and ran smack dab into the back of a parked gasoline truck on the side of the ramp. There was an explosion. Steve was killed instantly and pretty much burned beyond recognition. He was the first friend of mine that I'd been close to to die. It shook me pretty hard. I'm really still not sure if I'm over the shock and loss that I felt. About 15 years ago, I was thinking about him and decided to Google his younger brother. Remember, these were smart people. I found out that he worked for Dell. You know, the computer people who make the chips that run PCs. I delved a little further and found out that he had been responsible for the development of the Centrino chip. I was telling my brother how cool that was, and he figured that he must have been the smartest guy ever to graduate from high school, 
I looked at him and said simply, no, he was the second smartest. And he was. Think about it like this. Steve's little brother knows he wasn't as smart as Steve. I've met tons of smart folks and have never had met someone like him. Texas Instruments was going to put Steve into a closet somewhere just to let him think. In a few years, they were going to open the door and Steve might have solved all the world's problems. We lost a lot when we lost Steve. I will always love him and remember him as the smartest guy I ever knew. For the liner notes of this episode and all episodes of the Southern Tales podcast, please go to broadneckmusic.com where you'll find out more about the episode. You can also find more about our kick-ass theme music from Audra Brown, one of Memphis's best young songwriters. You can also contact me at stalespodcast at gmail.com. You can ask questions, hey, or you can tell me your stories, and eventually your stories can get on Southern Tales podcast. Once again, Thanks for listening, and please tell a friend about the fun we're having. See you next week on Southern Tales, 20 Minutes and a Smile. Smile.